This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Thanks so much for tuning in every Sunday at 9 o'clock from 9 to 930. I'm Troy Skinner, pastor of Household of Faith in Christ. We're online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. I'm joined this week as uh, every week now uh, with by Daniel Razvi and David Forsey and uh, absent AWOL this time is uh, Imran Razvi, but he'll be around maybe in a couple of weeks and we'll give him a hard time. Actually, I, I joked, but if you guys really wanted to sneak in some conversation about Imran <laughs> when he's not here, this is our chance to talk about him. Not Just here to defend you know. himself. Huh? Not here to defend himself. That's right. right. Yeah. He'll never know. <laughs> we'll just make sure he doesn't listen to this episode. It's your job, Daniel, to distract him when this show airs. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, anyway. So um, I'm going to start with this, I guess. Um, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So joyous Sunday to you. I think it's important for you to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Therefore, you are of incredible value and your maker um, really has a special place for you. However, we have a problem. We have uh, damaged the relationship through our failure to do right things, righteous things. We have sinned against God's law. Even if you don't consider yourself a Christian or a Bible believer, you have to admit, even by your own standard of what's good and bad, you've done some bad things. So you've got a guilt problem. What are you going to do with your guilt? How are you going to be redeemed to put a uh, you know, Christian theological label on it? There is a great redeemer who has uh, provided the solution for your guilt. So you know where to put your guilt. You put it at the foot of the cross, and Christ takes it upon himself. And through that redemption, you begin the process of restoration, where that broken relationship that you're meant to have with your, your creator who, who made you in his image, who has made you fearfully and wonderfully, uh, you restore that relationship ultimately to, at the end of all things, being glorified. So you were made with the ability to sin, and sadly you did. But there's a coming a day when you will be remade forever and all time and eternity where you will no longer even be able to sin. And that is only possible in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. I would invite you, if you want to know more about that, to reach out to me. The easiest way to do that is go to householdoffaithinchrist.com. You can find my email and phone there. I'd love to talk with you about it. So... Last week, we had Daniel talk about the church that meets at uh, the Razvi's house. And then we also heard from David talk about what goes on at the church that meets at the Forsey's house. And they filibustered me, so I didn't have a chance to talk about what happens at the (laughs) Skinner house. So just real quickly, I'll run through what you could expect. If you were to show up uh, at Archer and, you know, you guys didn't talk about this. I'll be curious to see if you uh, how you handle this. Maybe you haven't had the issue because of not being so public like on the internet and those sorts of things that i have with with what i'm doing being more public uh, on the internet and all all of that but the um the climate of the times is negative (laughs) and there's a lot of negative energy a lot of potential risk uh, inherent you're inviting people into your home Mm -hmm. you know it's not just your home but it's your wife's home it's your children's home it's their it's their safe place kind of thing and so I vet people before they come. I nobody. Uh, so I, I'm very public with what we do, but our address is not. So we we're not going to be surprised if somebody just surprise. We're here to check out your church this week. They somehow have to reach out to me, and I have an opportunity then to either meet with them beforehand or at the very least talk with them over the phone or or you know whatever. Um, so 
during that process, they might hear me say, so what you might expect when you show up is, so this is something that they, <laughs> that they would be hearing. So we generally start, everybody shows up at our house on a Saturday around 530, in, uh, not in the morning, in the evening. <laughs> and uh, there are occasions when it's earlier. So on a week-by-week basis, it starts around 530. But uh, there are occasions when we'll say, hey, we want to do something extra long. We're going to do a barbecue or, uh, you know, play games in the afternoon or watch a movie together or, you know, what ha- whatever. Uh, people might come earlier, like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And then around 5.30, we would transition into what we typically would begin doing at 5.30, which is a little bit of time for some, you know, socialization and catching up on the week and that sort of thing. And then uh, we, depending on how much of that there is, Depends on how many songs we'll sing. So if we get very chatty and there's a lot of catching up to do, lots of sharing happening, lots of fellowshipping that's taking place, then we might only sing a song before we get into the more formal part of what we do. But if there's not as much chit-chat and stuff going on, we'll transition into singing sooner. And and, uh, I think only one time I can remember we sang one song uh, before we got into the formal part of things. But uh, it's at least two, sometimes a third song before we get into the formal thing. The formal thing starts, you know, pretty close to six o'clock and uh, opens with um, some introductory remarks for those who are joining us because we put this part of what we do online through Facebook Live. And I can explain why we ended up, how we came about to do that. Uh, But anyway, during that, so after a couple of minutes of of that, then we have a, a time for some opening prayer uh, sometimes we'll read um, an extended passage from Scripture that's connected with what the message is going to be about. Sometimes not. It depends uh, on, on that week's message. Usually by 6.05 or 6.10, at the, you know, if there's an extended reading of the Scriptures, by 6.10 the sermon uh, begins. The sermons are generally about 30 minutes long. Short sermon might be 25 minutes long. A long sermon might be 35. Once I did a 40-minute message, and uh, for our context, that was probably felt long in the room kind of thing. So I think 30 minutes is a kind of a sweet spot for us. At the conclusion of the message, there's there's a, a group discussion about the message and the passage that was preached on and the themes that were touched upon. And people have a chance to ask clarifying uh, questions um, um, you know, bounce off of an illustration that was was used, or you know, clarify something that they thought they heard somebody else teach and preach once upon a time that you know wasn't brought up in the message or was brought up differently, that sort of thing. Um, that portion, and, and then when the discussion is over, uh, you know, we have uh, closing prayer and uh, some closing remark announcement things, and we wrap up the Facebook live part. And then we continue to exist together as a local church, if you will. And uh, we sing songs there. If we, we generally sing four to five songs a week. And so if we only sang one or two you know, earlier, whatever songs we didn't get to that we would have gotten to earlier, we sing on the back end. So, so you, And you pick those songs ahead of time? Yeah, and I don't. Uh, somebody, uh, and I'll, I'll get into some of that, I guess, too. So, and then... Um, we do. We don't do the Lord's Supper every week. Uh, at some point, I might uh, begin to get into that habit. For, but for now, we're, we're doing it uh, every fourth or fifth week. Um, 
and we don't have a meal together all the time, but we always have a meal uh, and big social function gathering at least once a quarter. So far, our habit ends up being a little more frequent than that. It's more. Like, it seems like it's on average been more like every eight-ish weeks. Um, Interesting. Uh, it's more just a spontaneous. Hey, I feel like maybe we should just hang out and and so those. That's the structure. So I'll give you some of the reasons, I guess. Um, the songs aren't chosen by me. Part of that is I want to have as much participation from people as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out what are ways to get different people involved. And we have, you know, somebody might be really comfortable. Uh, uh, praying and somebody else isn't so comfortable praying. So the person who's really comfortable praying, I might kind of lean on them more often than the others and say, hey, could you open us in prayer today? Or would you be the one to close us in prayer today? And those who are not as comfortable, uh, we work towards that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so far, working towards that has gone well. Uh, everybody who's been uncomfortable praying inside of two months uh, has gotten to a place where they are willing to put themselves out there and pray in front of people for the first time. So that's gone well. Uh, so we've got kind of a music coordinator, if you will, <laughs> who okay. shows up with okay. that week's song selections. And to be honest, they're not always the songs I would choose, but uh, that's less important to me than than everybody feeling they have a role. And then other people aren't comfortable reading aloud. You know, I have one person who's, uh, uh, you know, who told me they were dyslexic and uh, didn't know that. And they were really nervous about praying. I said, yeah, and I encouraged them. And over time, they finally got comfortable and decided to pray. And afterwards, I, you know, said, hey, I really, pre- I know that was hard for you. You were nervous and, you know, how to feel. You know, I'm really proud of you for putting yourself out there. And that's when I found out they were dyslexic. And I was like, I don't know if I would have put as much gentle pressure on you. But I'm glad I did because, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was God's providence that I didn't know that until after the fact. So I'm trying to get everybody involved. And then after the message, and I'm so far, I've been the one to uh, preach the sermon every week. Um, not that I'd be opposed to somebody else in our church preaching, but nobody else right now is equipped to handle that. Uh, so that would be a difference. Like the Rasby Church, you guys have, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people maybe that come. With it some, really depends on the week. Some regu- yeah, but in and out, you probably have, you know, several dozen people that are kind of coming in and out of your church over the course of a year. And a number of those probably uh, have some experience and some ability and some gifting and the mat- spiritual maturity to handle those responsibilities, perhaps. I don't know that our thing is there just yet. So at the, at the moment when that comes, I'm going to be because that's mm-hmm. part of my model is I want to have I want to be I want to launch uh, another house church out of our house church, mm-hmm. but it's only going to happen if somebody in my house church becomes equipped to lead a house church, and right now there's nobody in my church that's equipped to lead a house church, and one of the steps in that development of leadership will be taking on the responsibility of leading a teaching. Uh, with, you know, at least once, see how it goes, and with some increasing regularity, that sort of a thing. So, and <coughs> you're, what, you're one of the things, up. yeah, one of the things I noticed, you know, both last week when we were talking about our um, gatherings, David and, and, and my own, and then Troy, you're, you mentioned one thing that's that's kind of been this the same, or not the same, but a similar theme in all three of our stories, which is 
very different from most churches is that discussion aspect, that discussion about the sermon or Bible study or whatever you want to call it, the preaching session or the teaching, discussion by the congregation, whether it's just the men, whether it's men and women, however, um, it's very highly encouraged. Whereas in most churches, if you go visit 10 churches, you're probably not going to hear anybody speak up other than amen. If you're in the South, you might hear that a lot, <laughs> right? But that's about it. You, it, it, it not only doesn't anybody do it, it's kind of discouraged. If somebody does make a comment, that's kind of rare, a rare thing. Yeah. So, but I see this theme a lot with house churches. It's a very common to to have those conversations. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. What were some of the other things I said that were a little bit different than you guys? And I want. Well, you don't have a meal every week. We don't. Yeah, we don't have a meal. Oh, yeah. And so one of the reasons for that is, um, those that are members of what we're doing, we're 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 small. If everybody shows up uh, on the same Saturday evening which happens most of the time, uh, you know, praise God for that. But if everybody shows up, it's nine people, mm-hmm. you know, so we're not huge. And those nine people, uh, you know, one of them is a teenager. Uh, the, the reason I'm going to mention these other things is doing like a potluck style thing doesn't lend itself to easily coming together. One of them is a teenager. One of them is a, a young 20-something couple that um, I, I, given – their family dynamic and their their little their two little ones and stuff. Uh, I'm not so sure having them bring uh, uh, food for a meal and stuff w- with consistency would, uh, at least at, at this stage in of things, would make the most sense. And somebody else is you know a, a, a single woman who normally is cooking for one, and to ask her to suddenly figure out how to cook for nine times as many. Um, so the point in me mentioning all that is when we've had a meal. It's fallen to my wife, mm-hmm. and I'm just not comfortable uh, putting that level of responsibility and pressure on my wife to prepare a large meal for a bunch of people with different tastes and different food, uh, maybe allergies. Or, it, you know, it, it's work, right. and for her to do it on occasion is fine, she, and she likes doing it, but I'm not going to prey upon her liking to do that and burn her out and it's just it doesn't it seems like a burdensome request i'd like to do it more often as we get bigger and we get more people and maybe somebody's like oh i could bring the meal you know we'll, we'll make it and bring it or how about the two or three of us all together we bring a little something and we can and take the pressure off but i'm not going to throw all that pressure on my wife um right. so so that's one of the reasons we do that. And yeah. the Facebook Live thing, that's different than what you guys do. And one of the reasons Very we different. do that is mm-hmm. the way we came to be a house church is different. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I've had this idea about doing a house church for years and years and never actually pulled the trigger on it. And then finally last year did. And part of the circumstances that led to us pulling that trigger was that I was pastoring another church. And that church, uh, the board-led, not elder board, but uh, board of trustee type of uh, board-led <laughs> church, made the decision to, uh, to stop meeting when COVID hit. And they made that decision without even having me part of the conversation, which was interesting. Uh, I hadn't, yeah. hadn't been, I, I, part of it is I hadn't been their pastor that long. Um, so they maybe weren't feeling like it was that important to involve me. I don't know. Uh, and the other thing is I'm suspicious that they might have known that I was going to push back on like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Because uh, we would we would have made a different decision uh, if it were my call exclusively, that's for sure. 
Anyway, closing the church uh, down temporarily turned into the church closing its doors down permanently. Now, I've heard some buzz that maybe they're beginning to try to put something together again in, in a different form and fashion. After you know, like a year later, they decided to try to pick up the pieces and put Humpty Dumpty back together again, and and whatever. That's you know, I'm not involved with that anymore. But the context was, we got shut down, and it was it was a couple of months later before the church was closed. So we stopped meeting. We were shut down, meaning we we shut ourselves down stopped meeting, and then closed the doors semi-permanently a couple of months later. Well, during those couple of months, we were still doing church. And so I was, by default, forced to do what so many of the churches had to do. They did virtual church. Everything was streaming. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll do well. In the process of me doing that, a number of friends and family and you know people that are close to me and close to my wife and stuff started following along online, and we started getting a Facebook Live following actually that was larger than the church. <laughs> and so when the church completely shut things down, I was like, well, I've got, well, at that, I, I think it's diminished, to be honest. I'll, I'll, if you care, I'll explain later why I think that happened. But we had about 100, 100 to 150 people that were faithful every week paying attention to what we were doing online. Hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to pull the plug on that. Like, there's something there that these people are wanting or needing or feeling like they need mm-hmm. from us. I'm going to continue it. So then I decided that, oh, well, if we're going to continue it, maybe this is something we could transition into doing a house church like I've been thinking about for so long. And it took me a couple of weeks to persuade myself and a few more weeks to persuade my wife. And uh, and then we decided, yeah, we're going to do this. And so we were already doing the Facebook Live. And so once we became a church, the household of faith in Christ was born. Um, it didn't feel wise to just pull the plug on the Facebook Live right. at, at that time. So it's just become a part of what we do. I could foresee a time when that would go away. Um, but right now I'm not feeling like we need – and we're not catering what we're doing to Facebook Live. I, mean, I will allude to it on occasion. Oh, at the beginning I do. Whenever we turn it on, it's always, hello, Facebook, hello, YouTube, because we put it on YouTube later. So I'll say, hello, YouTube, if you're watching this later. So I acknowledge that they're joining Facebook Live. That's something different. And in the sermon on occasion, I might make mention something to uh, a, a situation that they might be facing in their life that's not in the room Right. So it's got a broad, but generally speaking, you know, ninety-five, ninety-eight percent of my focus and what we're talking about is what's going on in the room. So if we were to lose Facebook Live, it really wouldn't change anything. But some of the people, that, without getting all in the personal weeds on this, some people that are faithful every week, watching and apparently hanging on the words I say because I then get comments and phone calls and questions. So I was like, oh, they're actually listening. Uh, it's f- filling a need. Right. And I think the only reason it's filling a need is because, pardon the you know common vernacular on this, but you know, I'll frame it this way. I was listening to a podcaster, uh, actually it was just earlier today, and he was being critical of one of these megachurch pastors who's gone full woke and is teaching a bunch of garbage and stuff. And and he kind of closes out his podcast with the words to this, this effect, saying, look, if you're going to one of these you know big megachurch woke pastor kind of things, you know what you need to do? You need to leave and find a church where your pastor doesn't suck. <laughs> and I think, wow. unfortunately, there are a lot of pastors out there that they totally suck. 
They're not teaching the gospel. In fact, in, in some cases, I think they're preaching and teaching an anti-gospel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that they hear something that's as unpolished as, as what I do. Yeah, because I'm not, you know, you, you watch these guys that, uh, you know, around the country, these big uh, pers- high personality, high woo kind of pastors, they're very gifted communicators. And I mean, I'm not competing with them on that level. And yet, in more cases than not, I'm providing people that are consuming what I have to say. I'm providing something those other guys, as gifted and smooth as they are, that they're not giving. And that is the truth. You know, if, if right. nothing else, they're getting the truth on Saturday nights watching, you know, me on Facebook. So it's all kind of evolved. Uh, it's interesting that, David, you have a, uh, like, the family's kind of your structure model in your head for how things should go. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if family is your thing. Uh, it's more of just a... An no, a- I, anti-institutionalized. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I read in the Bible, in the New Testament, I read examples of how the church is, and we try to copy that. And I don't see building in there, so we don't have a building. Um, I don't see just one guy speaking all the time. Paul talks about in uh, Corinthians, he talks about don't all speak at once, as in there are lots of men trying to say stuff. So his whole point in that passage is don't all speak at once. Well, the implication being there are several men who will be speaking and sharing something of value, not just a comment, but something substantive. So uh, we try to encourage that. Uh, and I think singing is very important. If it's done properly, music is ex- very important. And I have some strong opinions on healthy music and unhealthy music, especially in the church, and how that is directly related to backsliding and doctrine in churches. We can talk about that someday, maybe. Um, and one of the but, things we all have in common, and that maybe all, well, I'm sure there are exceptions, but generally speaking, almost all house churches are going to have this in common. They're going to be family integrated in their model. Yes. Right? It's going to be the kids are going to be a part of it, too. You're not going to shuttle the kids off into a completely different part of the house for children's church or youth group no. meetings or things no, like Sunday that. school, children's church, youth, youth group, nurseries. I mean, if, if, you're, if your baby is screaming to the point where it's disruptive to the service and you want to take the baby into another room and, and nurse or something, that's fine. But that's not even a requirement. That's, like, that's, that's your personal preference. But generally, yeah. kids are very much expected to be in the service. I think a lot of parents don't realize your children, even your toddlers, can sit still for three hours and not say anything. It is possible. We actually wrote a book on it. My parents wrote a book on it. Children can sit in church. You can sit for three hours. Not that we'd spend three hours necessarily, but you can sit for three hours in church service and not say anything, not be distraction, um, and so on. But, uh, you know, that's not how it always happens. There's certainly kids will make noises and they'll move around and stuff. But I, I think it's important for them to get the same message. Yeah, and, and to uh, to observe their parents Learning. worshiping. Right. Right, whether it's worshiping through... Through through teaching or yeah or singing or praying, um, right. yeah, yeah I mean, picking there's... up things through osmosis, whether you realize it or not. And our kids usually are way more attentive to what's going on around them long before you realize they're attentive to what's going on yes. around them. Yeah. By the time you realize they're noticing something, they had been noticing it for months before that. <laughs> right. And <laughs> and they're going to learn a lot more sitting in a church service than they are in a Sunday school or a children's church or something like that, which is usually the, I, the material is dumbed down so much that they don't... The only clarification I would make is I don't, I don't know that they're going to learn more. They're going to learn something different. 
something correct. correct. Maybe. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. More, more deep things, I guess. We're, we're going to uh, uh, put a wrap on this one because this one, I, I, again, I think I talked too much at the beginning. I apologize. Next week, I'm just going to introduce you guys and say go, and then you guys talk for the rest of the show. Uh, I'm Troy Skinner. Uh, David Forsey, uh, uh, I think, was the, well, I don't, no, you spoke. I was going to say the last voice you heard was David Forsey's, but the second to the last voice you heard was David Forsey's. <laughs> Before that, it was Daniel Rasby. Uh, this is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. You can connect us with us most easily by going to householdoffaithinchrist.com. You can connect with the show and everything else that we're involved with there, householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from right now, God bless. <laughs>